morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus' dead body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they came to the tomb. They were saying to each other, who is going to roll the stone away from the entrance for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was a very large stone. Going into the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been risen. He isn't here. Look. Here's the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. You look beautiful out there, by the way. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Would you respond with, He is risen indeed? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed. We are an Easter people, and I am so glad that everybody's here. I want to make one comment, though, before I start preaching. There, uh, There were four candles lit just a few days ago in Jerusalem at the Church of the Dome of the Rock, Um, One is where tradition says that Jesus was crucified and the other uh, where he was laid in the tomb. And one of those candles is right here, straight from Jerusalem. We are, uh, and there are three that will be in the 11 o'clock service. That doesn't mean you mean less than the people of the 11 o'clock service. Um, But uh, I just wanted you to know that. We are definitely surrounded uh, by the risen Christ today. And you heard this gospel. It's the gospel of Mark. Um, And I think this is the first time that I have preached ever on the gospel of Mark. Now, if you're a Bible geek like me, you'll know that Todd read only through verse 8, which is where the original and earliest manuscripts ended. They ended at verse 8. And it almost feels incomplete, doesn't it? For they were amazed and terrified and they were afraid. The curtain goes down. The story ends in Mark. Not only is this a bizarre ending, it's even grammatically incorrect in the Greek. Mark wrote this. For they left in terror and fear, for they were afraid of or for. Now, I can tell you, Nova Corley is our uh, proofreader for every communication that comes out. And boy, she is really good at what she does. Now, if she had been living in A.D. 67 and the Mark, the gospel writer here, had asked her to proofread this, she was real sweet all the time. She would come back to Mark and say, you can't end this sentence with the preposition. That's what she would say. Incomplete. Mid-sentence. There's a reason probably why I've never preached this, because there's no neat stories about Jesus with his disciples around the campfire. 
No Jesus walking through a wall, breathing on his disciples, saying, peace be with you. No stranger Jesus, like it is in Luke, where he, he catches up with some folks who are dejected and walking back from Emmaus after his death. No Jesus' great commission in the Gospel of Mark. Go, make disciples of all people. No, they were terrified and they were afraid when they were staring in that empty tomb. No wonder decades later, somebody went back in that Bible. And you'll see in your Bible, it's got notes. It's got the original shorter ending. It's got a second ending. And then somebody came back and said, no, we need a little bit more. And so they wrote a little bit more in the Gospel of Mark. Some people say, well, maybe Mark just didn't complete it. I mean, what's wrong? Why did he end in mid-sentence? But I think Mark was intentional. I think I know maybe what Mark was up to when he ended it in an incomplete way. This is brilliant. Mark knew what he was doing. And every one of you who watches Netflix or Amazon on episode shows, does he, raise your hand if you do that. Raise your hand if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, so here we go. For those who don't watch Netflix and Amazon, here's the deal. So they'll come out with a series of, of shows, a series on one day. They'll, instead of network TV, they'll give all 10 or 12 of them, like Ozark or Sneaky Peak or uh, Bloodline, and, which means you can actually watch every episode in one night. Now, confession. How many of you have ever binge-watched a Netflix series? Anybody? Oh, yeah. And you know why you do? You know why you can't just stop at one episode? It's because none of the episodes end cleanly. Always something throws you off right there at the very end that makes you say, oop, i got to watch one more. And you push that thing and you watch the next one, right? Right? Because we know life is not about neat and tidy endings. It's open-ended and even at the end of some of these great Netflix or Amazon shows, right, these series, the last one is especially not, not neat. It goes something like this. This is a gen generic, but I promise you it's in every one of them. One of your favorite characters has been in a terrible accident. All the other characters are waiting anxiously in the ICU room. The surgeon walks in the room and she takes off her mask and she takes a deep breath to tell you the news. And then, right before she speaks, the screen goes dark to be continued. To be continued? You mean you got to wait six months to watch the, what's going on? And that's what happens. We're hooked. We love our tidy endings. We want our neat endings. Sometimes we tell God, kind of like those, maybe those other writers, give me that pen, Mark, I can write this out. And we want, we want our ending maybe instead of God's ending. But all we get is a man by the tomb saying, Jesus isn't here. He's gone ahead of you. He's back over at Galilee. You go tell the disciples and you tell Peter that he'll be waiting for you in Galilee. And then it says they were seized with amazement. The end. The end? Really? There is no resolution. There is no resolution to our Easter story, and that is scary to us because if that is true, Jesus can be found anywhere. He can be found in the hospital, in a funeral home. Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, can be found after the divorce. 
Or when somebody tells you you're no longer needed at your work? That's where Jesus can be. Because the story goes on. There's a reason why Mark didn't put a period there. Because God doesn't put periods on our lives. In fact, I've been guilty many times of putting a period where God meant for a comma or a semicolon to be. I've seen many of you who have been witnesses. You've been flat on your back in a hospital. You've said goodbye to loved ones. You have, you have told me through your witness that God is not through with us yet. That the resurrected Christ can be found in the other. And that's scary to us. This is a story of love, this resurrection story. Compassion, power, presence of God. And it can't come to an end That's what Mark wants us to know. Mark never promised he'd write the end of the story. Go back. Go back in Mark. And what are the first words of Mark? The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. This is just the beginning. This is not the beginning and the end. This is just the beginning, says Mark. The beginning. The beginning of the good news. And that first Easter, Mary, Mary, and Salome were there. And y'all, they were looking for a closure. They were looking for the end of the story, not the beginning of the story. But what they got looking into that empty tomb was that no, Christ is not done with you or this world. The risen Christ has gone on. This is not your end or Jesus' end. This is just the beginning So a few decades later, I can understand why some folks, after a little bit of history, saw what these disciples were doing. They were giving their very lives for the good news of Jesus Christ. And so they kept adding to the story. They knew what these first disciples were doing after they got over their fear. Could not, could never have been done alone. For they must have experienced and encountered the risen Christ. And 2,000 years after Easter... We worship with millions of other people whose lives are just as untidy, incomplete, and messy as ours. Because we too have seen and recognized Christ in our messy lives. We've seen that God's light has refused to be darkened. God's voice has refused to be silenced because God is not through with any of us yet. And God's love is stronger, yes, than even death. So what do we have to fear? There is no end to this story. That's what eternal life looks like. Your story, my story, it goes on and on and on. Welcome has overcome narrow-mindedness. I've seen it. I know it. The story goes on. Good has overcome evil. I've seen it. There's a lot of evil in this world, but I know it. And I know that the story goes on. That God gets the last word. On Friday, there was this awesome lunch at the field house. And it was so much fun. Now, we, we clergy do a lot of crazy stuff during Holy Week, right? It's a, kind of a busy week. And I was like, oh, I was like, do I really have to go to something else? You know, and I kind of had a bad attitude. So I was driving over to the field house. Field house is where many homeless people find hope and they find strength in one another. It's a great ministry. 
And when I walked up, and a few of them are in this room, but I'm not going to say their names because they didn't do it to be recognized. But there they were, several meat connoisseurs. And this wasn't just no, you know, frozen hamburger that they were feeding. This was a feast that could have, this, this could have equipped the best tailgate you've ever been to. And there were ribs just floating up in that thing, smoking. And then there, were, there was chicken just whirling around. And five or six guys there having the most fun. And then 30, 35 folks, some were homeless, some were not. Some used to be homeless, and they were coming back. And as we, we circled up, you'd expect for people to go, well, this is the end of my story. I don't, you know, these are people that walk to tents in the woods here in Hattiesburg. Did you know, though, that it was the most joy-filled thing that I got to do this, this whole week? Maybe, this, maybe in a few months. It was so powerful because I didn't meet anybody there, no matter how desperate, who thought that their story was over. And the people who got through the field house ministry, those people who came back, one came up to me and shook my hand, a real firm handshake. He said, I'm the first Mississippian to get clemency by the President of the United States of America. How are you doing? What? And I've got some more education, and I'm counseling, and I'm ministering. You know, he was telling me that the story did not end, that the resurrection story goes on. Another guy said, I'm about to finish a book on civil rights in Hattiesburg and on the first African-American student that went to USM. I was blown away. We went in and Susan did a great job as a devotion and she looked down and she saw a book. And the book was open and we couldn't help but see the title. The title said, To See and Be Seen. To recognize in one another that the Easter story continues for you and for me. Does Mark's gospel end? Does it end? If there's an end to Mark's gospel, it ends with you. That's where it ends. That's what Mark is saying. Mark is saying it ends with you. As the sun rises on your life, we too are sent out in terror and amazement to face whatever is before us. I don't know where your Galilee is, but you've got the risen Christ if you want him because he's not in the tomb. The story will continue by being lived, by turning and running headlong back into life, by letting God's story be written in your actions and in your words. You bear witness to the Easter story with your messy, incomplete life because that's all there is. God will complete us. Eternal, by definition, means no end. This dark, empty tomb is not the end of the story at all, but it's another beginning. Every day you choose love over hate, you're writing a postscript to Mark's gospel. Every time you see the face of Christ in the face of someone else at work, at home, a stranger, even an enemy, you are writing an epilogue to the gospel story of Jesus Christ. You're bearing witness that Christ is not dead. He's alive and well and free and setting you and me free. Don't let your life end with a preposition, all right? 
Mark's gospel needs a subject and a verb. So says Nova Corley. And you are the subject and the verb. you got to complete it. The gospel thing didn't end. We can't sit there and talk about Easter staring at an empty tomb. we got to go back to our Galilees. And you've got to be that. So start at the beginning, says Mark. Our life starts right now at Mark chapter 16, 8. That's where you start. Where's your Galilee? What are you going to write? And the screen goes dark with three words scrolling down. For God's story and yours to be continued. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Let us pray. Lord God, help us to be your Easter people. Lord, help us to realize Easter is not something that happened in history long ago. It's, it's happening right now. And your resurrection power is all we need. And when we have it, Lord, you continue to write your story through us. In your name we pray. Amen. As we, as we make room for this risen Christ, uh, we do so. Uh, as we come to the table, a few announcements before that. One is if you have a child uh, in the nursery and you liked it, uh, please gather them. We, uh, communion is meant for families and for especially this family at Parkway Heights. It's an open table, so, um, which means it's not just the table of the United Methodist Church, but all who wish to come and be blessed by the grace of God are welcome. We'll be partaking by communion by intinction, so which means as the, the bread is given to you, you'll dip it into the cup. And then lastly, if you are unable, let one of our communion hosts know and we will serve you where you are. Um, and so you'll find the words on the screen so that we might make room in our hearts. We begin with a confession. Um, um, so join with me if you would. Uh, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and in heaven and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of, your, of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church.
delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Drink from this all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, O Lord, and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Our servers come forward. broken for you, brother. Thank y'all. Thank you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. Thanks, man. Also, the body of Christ broken for you. Amen. Susan, the body of Christ broken for you. Amen. Wes, even you, the body of Christ broken for you. invite you to come under the direction of our communion host and uh, so you'll make notice also we have a couple of uh, places for prayer if you'd like to take time and uh, be graced with that as well.